This is the SBI Show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivis Galarsep, and if you're listening to this, it's probably Monday morning, and you've probably had a night to sleep on what was a crazy weekend in the world of soccer. There was plenty of positives, plenty of negatives, plenty of good things to celebrate, and plenty of things to forget about and not spend too much time thinking about unfortunately but first things first we are going to talk gold cup CONCACAF gold cup has kicked off it kicked off on saturday for the united states it kicked off on sunday and you know that we're going to dig into that of course u.s men's national team starting their gold cup with a win 1-0 over haiti and the mexican national team starting their gold cup in almost as as awful a way as possible with a 0-0 0-0 draw against Trinidad and Tobago, and who had that happening, and losing their best player for the tournament. And we'll get into that. We'll get into that later for sure. But first things first, the U.S. men's national team takes on Haiti in Kansas City, Kansas. The entire group stage will be played at Children's Mercy Park. And the first game took place on Sunday night. United States defeats Haiti 1-0. And you always want to start a tournament off with a victory. First things first. Before you get into the complaints, before you get into the questions, before you get into the doubts about the plan, doubts about the lineup, doubts about the decisions, the squad. First things first, they won, right? But was was it a beautiful win? No. Was it a satisfying win? Not really. In certain ways, there were certain things about it that you could definitely argue were satisfying. But it was it left it left a lot to be desired as a, as a game, as an overall game. And the first thing I'd say is no one should really be surprised by that because you're talking about a team that's really a you know a team that's kind of patchwork team that's put together. It's the you know we can argue should you call it a B team, should you call it a C team, whatever you want to call it. Point is, it's not the first choice group. Number one, it's not a team that's been together. It's a collection of players that really haven't played together before as a group. And Greg Berhalter, you know, he put out a lineup that consisted mainly of players that he was familiar with and that he ha- he had had in camp camps before. Ten of 11 of the players were players that had been in previous camps that had played in matches before. And of the and, and of the, and the one player who wasn't was Shaq Moore, who was in the lineup because Reggie Cannon was injured, right? So, if it were up to Berhalter, all things being equal, he would have started the lineup with 11 players that he was familiar with. And despite that familiarity, and despite putting a lineup out there of players that that have been in games before for the U.S. under Berhalter and who should know his system, we didn't really get a game that looked like a team that knew, you know, knew what Berhalter wanted. Or played like he wanted them to play. Now they won. Sam Vines scored the winner. And I, again, who would have pegged that, right? Who would have pegged Sam Vines? Sam Vines to score the goal. Not many not many people out of outside Colorado would have pegged that, but he did do that. And uh, I got to say, where do we start? Starting lineup. I know as soon as that lineup came out, people were going crazy. No Daryl DK. No Gianluca Busio. What is this? Are you kidding? Where's Matthew Hoppy? How does Matthew Happy not get lineup? I, I I can I I heard it I heard the echoes in, I heard the voices in my head as soon as I saw that starting lineup and I gotta say the one 
the one name that had me, I was not at all surprised with about 90% of that that lineup. I mean, I was I was surprised by Shaq Moore, but it, obviously it came out later that Reggie Cannon was injured. But I was surprised by Jonathan Lewis, because as I said, and I, I want to say it was the last episode, the guy has not been playing consistently for the Rapids. Hasn't been in great form. He was terrible in Olympic qualifying. He's not in good form. And you start him. So right off the bat, I'm kind of like, what is, wait, what? How does this happen? So I'm thinking maybe he just listens to the show. <laughs> maybe maybe Greg Berhalter listens to the SBI show and said, you know what? I'm going to show you and I'm going to play John Lewis. Is he gonna play? And he's going to play well. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't quite work out that way. Um, he was pretty terrible. And apologies to Jonathan Lewis. I'm not trying to pick on Jonathan Lewis, but he did not play well. He had his chance. He, he got his chance. But he wasn't alone. He was not the only player who struggled. Jackson Ewell. Also struggled. And, you know, before we get into the players who struggled, overall, look, as a body of work, as a game, it wasn't a, it wasn't a great game for the U.S. They, they had the possession edge. They had more shots than Haiti. They had, more, they had a higher expected goals than Haiti. So from that standpoint, yes, they were the better team. But was it a game that, that you could really be happy about if you're the U.S.? Well, I can tell you right now who wasn't happy. Greg Berhalter was not happy, and he made it clear after the match that he was not happy with what he saw. What I told the guys, and it's not, it's not just related to those three in midfield, it's related to the whole team. I, I missed the urgency to score more goals and to be dangerous and to you know, first pass forward and, and aggressive. You know, it, to me, it was, you know, it was way too slow, way too backwards and, um, you know, not enough intent to, to, to turn Haiti around and get them, get them defending in their penalty box. And then once we were in the penalty box, I didn't like the runs, the, the movement in the box. I didn't like the, the service. So from the attacking end, you know, we were disappointed with, with the intent that we showed tonight. Now, I'll tell you what, Greg Berhalter sounds like a coach that is ready to sit some people for a good long time. And he should. I don't think we should, we should see Jonathan Lewis start for the United States anytime soon again. I mean, personally, I don't think he should even be on the Gold Cup roster just based on form. As it stands, you only have two natural wingers on the roster, and one of them is a player who's not in form and who hasn't been playing and who should, you know, by all accounts, I mean, he just shouldn't be there. I get it. Left-footed. There's not a ton of left-footed wingers. He sees him as being someone who can be an impact off the bench. I, You know, it's all one good. No, I don't know. There's no excuse for there's no excuse. And after this game, I mean, he, he should only get like a cameo at, from now on. And and that's with Paul Ariola being injured. Paul, for those who missed it and who didn't watch the game or, you know, forgot, Paul Ariola was injured early in the game on Sunday and had to come out. So right off the bat, you only brought two natural wingers. One of them gets hurt. The other one looks terrible. So what do you do now? You're going to do what I had mentioned last episode. You're going to play some strikers in wide roles. And you're going to do that in part because you need to see which of your strikers can play in wide roles because you have too many strikers as it is in your pool. And they're all pretty talented and several of them could contribute and several of them you'd like to think could help your attack even if it's not as a striker. So he's got to start looking at some of these guys at those roles. And we saw Nicholas Giacchini do it. We saw we saw him play uh, on the right wing. He, he replaced Paul Ariola after the injury. And he, you know, I got to say, he looked okay. He Obviously, he had some chance. He had some looks. He had some chances. He had two good chances. One, he hit off the post. And another, he sent wide. But he was he was active. And he got, you know, for, for, for playing at, quote unquote, out of position or playing not in, in his best position. 
I thought Giacchini did some some good things. But overall, we'll start. If the man of the match for me is Shaq Moore. And, you know, he it was a surprise that he started, and then we find out Reggie Cannon was injured, so that's why he started. But you know what? The, the guy's been playing regularly, starting regularly in Spain in the second division. And while most American fans can't see the Spanish second division, they can't watch it. You got to understand that's a pretty decent level. That's a pretty good level. So if he's starting there, he's developing. He's getting the chance to to hone his game and hone his craft. And And what I saw on Sunday was a player who clearly, pretty clearly, has made some real improvements since his last time with the national team, which was back in 2018 before Greg Berhalter took over. So that's one of the standouts, one of the things that stood out to me. And another thing that stood out to me was the switch to the 3-5-2, or if you want to call it a 5-3-2, five, we can say 5-3-2, 3-5-2, what have you. The switch to that in the 60th, 65th, 70th, once you brought in Gianluca Busio, Eric Williamson, James Sands. I tell you what, the team looked pretty good. And those guys look pretty comfortable playing in that system. And I actually had a chance to ask Greg Berhalter specifically about that and about Shaq Moore. And he had some really good things to say about both. Greg, going back to Shaq Moore, uh, obviously his first time with you since you've been coaching, it looks like he he showed some signs of growth from 2018, obviously playing and and getting games, helping his game overall. What did you think of how he did tonight? And as far as some of your subs, Playing in that three-five-two, James Sands, Williamson, and Busio—they look really comfortable in that system. How important is it to have those guys show well to give you confidence to try that system some more in this tournament? Well, I like the comp. You know, the midfield three doesn't change much um, at all from a four-three-three to that to the five-three-two. So that was positive. They look comfortable in there. Um, you know, very technical players, good in the ball. James, Gianluca, and Eric. And it's nice to have players you can bring in with, with that quality. So that that was really good. In terms of Shaq, um, you know, he got coach's man of the match today because, you know, Reggie Reggie got injured yesterday in training and um, or had a slight injury that we were monitoring and we made the call this morning that he can't play. And, you know, Shaq got the, um, the notification that he was in starting 11 hours before the game. And to come in and have that performance, you know, he's in pre not even in preseason. He was training individually at home um, before this. So I think he did a great effort and, um, you know, there, there's more to come from him. Now, I know I know there's definitely some fans who, who want to see more of that 3-5-2. And, and you know what? If the, if if Busio, if Williamson, if James Sands can look that good, and if they look that good against Martinique, and I have a feeling all three of them are going to start against Martinique. You absolutely could see more and more of that of that formation going forward. And now we have to obviously talk about Gianluca Busio, who looked outstanding. I mean, he come he comes on. It's one zero. He comes on in the sixtieth. I want. I don't have it in front of me, but in the sixtieth, sixty first minute, sixty second minute, and he he just looks so smooth on the ball, so confident. His his ability to move in space and find the right space and make the right turns, and he just looked like a natural. I mean, for a first cap, he did not look like a player playing in his first cap and now obviously it's a ideal you cannot ask for more an ideal situation when you're trying to integrate a teenager in his first national team cap you're putting him into a game where the team is already winning you set him up in a system where he has support because there's a difference between being a a number six by yourself in a four four in a four three three as the main kind of anchor of the midfield and being one of two defensive midfielders in a three five two slash five three two, whatever you want to call it. And that's what Berhalter did. Berhalter switched from the four three three to the five three two, brought in Eric Williamson with Busio, and those two look good together. And they played well together. 
James Sands looked really good. And you know what? At the end of the day, Busio playing in front of his home fans who cheered for him before he came in. They, they, they basically demanded that he be put in. He gets put in. And then he balls out. And he impressed. I, I mean, I don't know who he did impress. He impressed me. He impressed most of the fans. He definitely impressed the fans in the stadium. And most importantly, he impressed Greg Berhalter. It's great to see his development. It's great to see the work that Sporting KC put it, put it in to get him to this place. And when he came in the game, he showed a ton of calm and poise. And, um, you know, from, for the coaching staff, he did an, an excellent job in the game. So who else? Who else impressed on the day? Now, I mentioned Shaq Moore. Obviously, Shaq Moore showed well. Busio showed well. Uh, some of the other substitutes as well, James Sands, Eric Williamson. And for me, I tell you what, Kellen Acosta looked good. Kellen Acosta playing in a more advanced role. He didn't play as a six. He played as as an eight, basically, as in the, in that midfield box to box role, and then he moved out. To, he moved out wide. He moved out, uh, you know, to to the wing back role, and was fine there. You can put him anywhere, and he see, he can handle himself, and he can play well. And coming off of the Nations League, for him to have a, another good game, and and you could argue he he was also worthy of a man of the match consideration. I mean, Jack Moore got my vote. Kellen Acosta, I, I I saw some people mention Acosta as well, but Acosta Acosta is absolutely helping himself kind of solidify his standing in the overall picture. Because one, when you when you start thinking about World Cup qualifying in September, his name's on there. His name his name is on the list. It was on the list based off Nations League, and now right off the bat, first game against Haiti, solid game from him. So if you're Greg Berhalter, you're feeling pretty good about Colin Costa right now. Now let's talk about center backs. Miles Robinson, Walker Zimmerman, strong performances, and... To be fair, and in fairness to Haiti, they were missing Francie Perrault, who was one of the handful of players for the Haitian squad that came down with COVID-19. Haiti had a COVID outbreak recently, and I think it was five players, I want to say. Five players from their team were not available because they had tested positive for COVID. And Francie Perrault would have absolutely made a difference as a striker. But he wasn't there. They still had Duggins in his own. They still had Derek Etienne. They still had some dangerous attacking pieces. But credit to Miles Robinson and credit to Walker Zimmerman. They they handled the threats that came along. They did well, and you know obviously they are these they are the top center backs in this on this U.S. squad. They are expected to be the starters throughout. You know maybe a game here or there, but that's going to be your the, the heart of your defense. And they look pretty good. First game, Miles Robinson. Obviously, as I wrote about. And as I said before the tournament, this is a huge tournament for Miles Robinson. A great opportunity for him to show, hey, I can play next to John Brooks. I can play center back on the full squad. And, and there was this whole kind of, de- I saw it was a debate on SBI amongst some readers and, and kind of, are people overrating Miles Robinson? Is he even that good? You know, he plays in MLS and, you know, we, we had the whole thing. And forgive me if I already touched on this last episode, but, you know, obviously I questioned that logic. If only because, listen, if you're a center back in MLS, right, you can say what you want about MLS in general and not being as good as the big leagues. And I've said this. I think I'm repeating myself. But Miles Robinson is playing against top strikers pretty consistently, and he's faced plenty of good strikers in his career, early on already in his career. And to, on Sunday night, he looked he looked completely he looked polished, and he looked poised, and he looked, like, unbothered. He handled it. He handled what he had to handle. Now, there's tougher challenges awaiting Miles Robinson and Walker Zimmerman, specifically in Canada in the last group stage match. But for a first match, if you're Greg Berhalter, you're feeling pretty good about the center backs that you picked for this Gold Cup team. Now, getting back to the players who did not play well. I mentioned it before, Jonathan Lewis 
he just didn't play well. There was just, there's just no other way to say it. And I know some people are going to, you know, be upset or kind of don't direct your anger at Jonathan Lewis. Direct your anger at Greg Berhalter because Greg Berhalter brought him in. Greg Berhalter started him. Greg Berhalter ignored the reality of the fact that he is not in good form and brought him on this team over other potential midfield options. Now, maybe, maybe, you know, he had limitations in terms of left-footed mid-wingers. And, and maybe from that standpoint, he could argue, well, look, who else was I going to call in as a left, left-footed left winger? I tell you what, I would love to see Kevin Paredes. I would love to have seen Kevin Paredes. Now, I know he's more of a wingback, fullback. But I don't know, man. Jonathan Lewis just didn't show me anything at all. And Sam Vines, now he scored a goal. Now, you score a goal. You scored the only goal on the 1-0. You should, probably shouldn't face that much slander because, I mean, you scored the winner. You scored the only goal. But Sam Vines did not have a great game. Sam Vines looked pretty lost at times playing at left back. And this was this is an important game for him because obviously George Bellows there, young left back, tons of talent. There's no guarantee Vines is going to hold him off. And he did score the goal. And that definitely counts for, for a good amount. But the rest of the game did not like it, it fill anybody with confidence that Sam Vines is the answer. So I'll tell you what, if I'm George Bellow, I'm sure George Bellow saw the goal from Sam Vines and said, oh, wow, okay, he's 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 come to play. But then he just, it, the rest was not great. And what's interesting is, look, part, I got to think part of the reason you start Lewis and Vines together is because they're teammates in Colorado. They should know each other. They should have played together long enough. And actually, they were they were teammates. They were teammates in Olympic qualifying, were they not? I'm pretty sure. So what, you know, they didn't look like teammates on, on Sunday night. They looked like they, they hadn't really played together before, which was a little surprising to me. But again, Lewis is not in good form. And another player not in good form is Jackson Ewell. Jackson Ewell has not been in good form for the San Jose Earthquakes. He didn't show well in the last, uh, in May, June with the U.S. national team. He's just not in good form. He can play better than he's shown in the last month or two can't absolutely can i've seen it and as much as some people tried to do some revisionist history on how he played at the olympic qualifying tournament jackson Newell was one of the only consistent bright spots for the u.s at the olympic qualifying tournament let's rewrite history for the convenience of of a narrative that jackson Newell shouldn't be part of the senior team you can make that point with his mls play with his with his level his form in MLS you can do that and you can do that with his national team appearances recently but Olympic qualifying he played well and I've seen Jackson you play well in MLS very well but he's not playing well now and it carried over it carried over and I don't know if he's feeling pressure I don't know if that's affecting his game because at a certain point you know you're not playing well at a certain point you know you're struggling and he has to know he's not playing that well did that make him tentative did that make him look for the easy pass instead of, instead of trying to make the line breaking pass because i tell you what greg berhalter if you listen to some of his criticisms of the overall team and and greg berhalter look he has he knows what he's doing he knows what he's saying he knows what he's not saying he knows what the message he's trying to deliver he didn't call out anybody by name but if you read between the lines and you listen to some of the complaints, it you know what? Jackson Ewell is definitely one of the people he had an issue with, just in terms of a lack of aggressiveness with the passing, trying to really break down Haiti. And Jackson Ewell just didn't do that. So right now, Jackson Ewell is not in, in a great run of form. He's not in a good place in terms of form. And for that reason, and after this game, I got to say, where do you go from there, at least now with Jackson Ewell? 
for me, I don't know if you play him again or start him again. Because Martinique, the second game, you're going to, you, I have to think you're going to go with Gianluca Busio as your six. And if you play, if, if you play a 3 5 2 or 5 3 2, I think you got to go with Busio and Williamson as your, as your dual sixes or, you know, together with a, you know, with a Christian Roldan. Because I think Roldan's going to play against Martinique. He didn't play against Haiti. And I have to think he's going to play. So I think. That's what you're going to see there. And then when you get to the Canada game, I think you got to play Kellen Acosta as the six. Because for me, Kellen, Kellen Acosta is the most established defensive midfield option on the current squad. Gianluca Busio clearly has the most upside. He's the most exciting prospect at, at the position. But is he ready to go up against the elite teams as a standalone six? In a 4-3-3 as the lone defensive midfielder, is Busio ready for that? Is he ready to go up against Canada and Hector Herrera and those guys? Hmm, that's a, it's a little early for that kind of exam, as talented as he is, as exciting a prospect as he is. But I tell you who's not ready for that right now, Jackson Ewell, is not ready for that. And that's why I don't know if we're going to see him play again or start again. I'm sorry. We'll probably see him at some point. We'll probably see him come in as a sub. Somebody's tired. He needs to close out a game. He can do that. But for right now, the way he's playing his form, Jackson Ewell should not start another game. I don't think this tournament. And then you have Sam Vines, as I said earlier. Sam Vines, you know what, scored the goal. But I want to see George Bello. I want George Bello to get his chance. I think he gets it against Martinique. And now Martinique obviously is not quite the same challenge as Haiti. But if George Bello plays well against Martinique, he could absolutely be in a position to start against against Canada. And here's what it comes down to. Canada has some real weapons, some real threats on the wing. Tejan Buchanan, I mean, Canada beat Martinique 4-1. They actually gave up the first goal and they turned around and put four on him. And Tejan Buchanan was their biggest weapon. I mean, he was there. He just t- tore up Martinique on the wings. And I saw him play, you know, do it a lot on the left, which would put him up against either Shaq Moore or Reggie Cannon. But he can go on the right. And, you know, if you're asking me who has who's better equipped to deal with with the speed and dynamism of a Tejan Buchanan, I think it would be George Bello. I don't know if Vines is ready for that. Not that Vines wouldn't have played against Tejan Buchanan before, but I don't know. I'm not. I'm not convinced on Sam Vines, and to, and that's not to say George Bello is absolutely can't miss and is you know infallible and can't be can't be beaten. But I want to see how George Bello looks against Martinique, and that's a big one for him. Teenager has a chance. I think he's still a teenager. He has a chance to really potentially grab that starting role in other gold cup results as i mentioned earlier canada beat martinique 4-1 uh cavallini scored kyle Lahren scored they, you know it was a perfect game obviously other than them giving up the first goal which made you wonder like whoa is this gonna be another upset another shocking decision after the mexico draw but canada wins and guess what they're in first place in group b the u.s is in second place in group b but again they play each other at the end that's when it's going to really come down to it but you know what i tell you what canada if they put they put four on Martinique, I'm very curious to see what they do against Haiti. And Haiti, and I believe I heard that Haiti is going to get some of those players back who tested positive. That I don't quote me on that, but I thought I heard that on the broadcast, or maybe I heard that in the press conference uh, with the with the the Haiti coach after the match. But Canada looked very good, and I don't see Haiti beating Canada. And obviously, Haiti just lost to Canada in in World Cup qualifying. With their full squads. So we'll see. We'll see. I, be- I believe Canada's going to beat them. And then that really sets up the winner take all to win the group. And j- for those who are unaware, basically winning the group should help you avoid Mexico until the final. If you finish second in a group, you could play Mexico in the semifinal. 
And you know what? At the end of the day, you got to play them eventually, right? Semifinal, final, whatever. You got to beat Ken. You got to beat Mexico in this tournament. I don't care what happened in the first game for Mexico. They are going to be there. Toward, they're going to be there at the end, in my opinion. They're going or they're going to be there. For me, obviously, they'll be in the semis. But if you're the United, if you're the United States, you will have to beat Mexico to lift that trophy because I don't think Canada is going to do you that favor. I don't think they're going to be the ones to do it for you. No disrespect to Canada because I, I'm really I'm a fan of this Canada team, even without Alfonso Davies. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with Mexico. Who? What? Mexico tied Trinidad. And I know you're going to be like, if you didn't watch the game or you don't know anything that happened in the game, you're going to ask yourself, how in the heck did a close to full strength Mexico team tie Trinidad? Trinidad is an absolute mess these days. Trinidad isn't even playing in the, he- the octagonal. They didn't even get out the last round of World Cup qualifying. How did this happen? It's the Gold Cup, man. Stuff happens in the Gold Cup. And Mexico, too. Mexico outshot Trinidad like a million to one, right? They they had the better of the play. They just didn't put any away. And then you had the Irving Lozano incident. Irving Lozano took a flying knee to the face from the Trinidad and Tobago goalkeeper. He was It was a sequence where he, he basically got pushed into the on-rushing goalkeeper and flew face first into his knee and i don't know if it knocked him out cold but it totally wrecked his face neck injury he had to be carted off and now irving lozano is out for the rest of the gold cup and is facing a a, you know a pretty pretty lengthy spell on on the sidelines now he's gonna you know looking at the timetable could miss the start of the Serie A season with napoli you wonder fitness wise where he's gonna be when world cup qualifying starts at the beginning of september and i know maybe it's too easy to say right it, maybe it's too easy to say aha this is why you don't bring your full strength squad to the, this gold cup when it's just it ends a month it ends literally exactly a month before world cup qualifying are you playing with fire a little bit that close to world cup qualifying or are you potentially helping your team gain some momentum and you know, set them up for a strong September of qualifiers. Well, I'll tell you what, Irving Lozano, he probably has some second thoughts now about that decision to to bring a close to full strength Mexico team. But obviously, you know, you can say hindsight's 2020 and what have you. Mexico's still the favorites, folks. They absolutely still, even without their best player. And, that's, you know, some people could argue, oh, is he really? No, he's their best player. Irving Lozano's their best player, period. And now they don't have him. But they still have plenty of talent. They should still be there in the end. But it definitely makes you wonder. It definitely makes you kind of, you know, look at it and say, oh, you know, it, it would have, you know, if you had Gio Reyna or Christian Pulisic in that situation, that would not have been good. That would not have been good. So I guess that's the silver lining of you, the U.S., is that your your star players are with their clubs. They're getting ready for their seasons. They're not, you know, taking knees to the face in the Gold Cup. So I think that kind of, you know, that's a silver lining for those fans, those fans who still are upset that you don't have a full strength U.S. team. I don't know who's still in that mode or who's still thinking like that, but if you are, maybe look at this and say, you know what, it's not so bad that it's not the full, it's the full, not the full strength U.S. team. In other Gold Cup results, you had El Salvador defeating Guatemala 2-0, and Guatemala was just literally added to the Gold Cup a few days ago because of Curacao and their COVID nineteen outbreak that they had. And who scored for El Salvador but Alex Roldan, Seattle Sounders, fullback slash wingback, brother of Christian Roldan. In his first game for El Salvador, he scores the winning goal. In a 2-0 win, he scored the first goal. Beautiful goal, by the way. If you haven't seen it, go on Twitter. I tweeted it. Everyone, you know, Seattle Sounders tweeted it. You name it. It's out there. You can find it. Beautiful goal. Worth the watch. El Salvador. I, I said it last episode. They're good. You're going to want to watch them. 
Because for a variety of reasons, number one, you have some players you're going to know. Alex Roldan, Eric Zavaleta, Josh Perez, former U.S. men's national team player, is their head coach, Hugo Perez. And they're the U.S. men's national team's first opponent in September in World Cup qualifying. And I tell you what, if they have a strong Gold Cup, that's all of a sudden more momentum for a team that you know is going to go into that qualifier against the U.S. believing they can beat them, believing they can knock them off, believing they can get a result of some kind. And with some of these guys, Roldan, Zavaleta, Perez, they know the U.S. They know the U.S. players. I'm really looking forward to that game. I don't know if I'll be in El Salvador or where I'll be for that one, but that's going to be that's going to be a good one. And I think this Gold Cup, people need to pay attention to El Salvador and watch them if you can, because I think they're they're going to surprise some people in this Gold Cup. What else do we want to talk about? Uh, there's no MLS. MLS is on break, so we don't have any MLS to talk about. The U.S. women's national team is in the early stages of their Olympic preparation, so there's nothing to talk about on that front. What we did have this weekend were two memorable finals. First, you had the Copa America final on Saturday. Argentina defeats Brazil 1-0 in Brazil at the Maracanã. And it was Angel Di Maria with the winning goal. Beautiful goal, by the way. Uh, Nice chip from him. And how about the pass from Rodrigo DePaul? DePaul had an outstanding final. And Lionel Messi finally lifted his first senior trophy with Argentina. Now, he won an under-20 World Cup and he won an Olympic gold medal. But he had not won a senior trophy. And I got I'll be I, I think I said it recently and I'll say it now. It, I I I can't remember wanting a player to win a title more than I wanted Messi to win this Copa America because the, the guy is an absolute legend, one of the best players of all time, if not the best player of all time. And it just felt like such an injustice that he did not have that international trophy. To add to the three, the multiple three, or is it four? I want to say at least three Champions League titles, the however many La Liga titles, the boatload of amazing highlight reel plays, and all just every all the magic that he's provided over the over the years. He deserved a title. He deserved a title. And as much as look, Brazil played, you know, they played great throughout the tournament. They could have, they would have been a worthy champion. But Argentina got it done. Credit to them. Credit to Messi. Credit to Di Maria. And credit to that Argentina team because you could feel or you could see in the reactions, you could see in the way they played, you could see in the way they celebrated Messi when it was over. That as a team, they really took it upon themselves to win that for Messi. And the looks on their faces when they won and the looks on their faces when they watched Messi celebrate, it tells you it meant everything to them to to deliver that, to help deliver that trophy to their idol. And that's what they did. Because you know, Messi, he was, the, he was the player of the tournament. He didn't have a great final. He obviously missed the chance late in the game. But he was outstanding. And anyone who watched the Copa America throughout, he was unbelievable. I mean, he really carried that team in a lot of ways, defensive, you know, they were stronger defensively than they've been recently in recent years and in past tournaments, but they needed Messi. They needed Messi's magic to really carry them, to carry the attack. And he did that. And then they returned the favor in the final. You can argue that they carried him, but it doesn't matter. He was the man. He was the player of the tournament, golden boot winner. He was the reason that they, they, they were able to lift that trophy and congratulations to him fully deserved. And now we can put the rest, this art, the, all the talk about, about that, oh, you know, he's never won a big one. He won a big one. Let him enjoy it. <laughs> and he was being a little, he was, he was being a little reckless on social media afterwards uh, with some of his tweets. But you could tell he enjoyed it. You could tell he loved it. And it was great to see. And I thought it was great. The fact that 
not only did people in Argentina celebrate this, you had people in India celebrating Lionel Messi winning that trophy. And I'm sure it wasn't just India. I'm sure there were people all over the world that celebrated it. Because I know I celebrate. Full disclosure, I will admit, I celebrated it. I was so happy for him. And we'll see now what happens with the with the World Cup. Is because is does he retire now or does he actually now? He's only a year and a half away, and a year and a half away from from the from the World Cup. Does he make another run? That Argentina team's decent. That Argentina team's pretty good. Pretty good defense. Some good pieces there. Lautaro Martinez, DePaul. The, they've got to get Rodrigo DePaul needs to find a better team. No offense to Udinese, but he's good enough to be to be on a higher level of a team. So we'll see. Maybe he'll be a transfer target in in these coming months. But enough of the tangent. Congratulations to Argentina. Euro 2020 final. Italy defeated England in penalty kicks. And I mean, no, was anyone really surprised that Italy would win a penalty shootout against England? Really? I mean, are we going to just ignore history? I tell you what, England, they score in the second minute. And at that point, you're thinking, oh, is this going to be a blowout? Is Italy really going to crumble? But nope. Credit to Italy, credit to Chiellini and Bonucci, and credit to Roberto Mancini. I mean, they shook that off. They definitely had to fight for a while to get the equalizer. And then Bonucci with the equalizer. Who else? Leonardo Bonucci. And they take it to penalties. And I got to say, when Jorginho's penalty was saved by Jordan Pickford, I thought, "Uh uh-oh, here it is. England's going to pull it out and find a way. But nope. England misses uh, the penalties. Donnarumma with, with some saves, some big saves. And England was denied their title at home. Italy fully deserved champion. Fully deserved champion. They played great throughout the tournament. Best team in the tournament. They deserved it. As far as England goes, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but just just some of the scenes, some of just the, just the atrocious behavior by some terrible England fans. Not all England fans are terrible. Not all England fans are racist. But we knew, we knew what was going to happen after that penalty shootout. When you had three black players miss penalties, you were going to have that seedy element, that disgusting element, those racists. And look, there are racists everywhere. But England, it seems like without fail, anytime an English team is involved in England, anytime an English team has a failure or has a disappointment of a title in a final, doesn't matter what Europa League, Champions League, you name it. The racists come out. And it happened again, and it, like clockwork, you knew it was going to happen. And just you wish it wouldn't happen. But there's a reason that no one outside of England was rooting for England. And again, I get it. Italy has its racism as well. There are not many countries that don't have racism, unfortunately. As much as some people will argue that racism, racism isn't a thing. Racism isn't that big a deal. Like, no, racism is an ugly stain on the world. And it exists. And it's ridiculous. And there's nothing wrong with pointing it out. There's nothing wrong with calling it out. Do it every single time. Ignoring it does nothing. But enough of the tangent. England will be back. They had too much talent. A lot of really good young talent. And Gareth Southgate should have used more of that young talent than he did. That's, you know, I don't want to pile on Gareth Southgate. I think he's actually a pretty good manager. He's done quite a bit with that England team. But I have a feeling if he has, if he could be honest with himself, he'd say, you know what? I should have used my younger players more. I should have used Jaden Sancho more. I should have used Saka more. I should have used Jude Bellingham. Come on. He could not get off the bench. And we're going to see all those guys in the coming years. And they're going to be a pretty good team. And they're going to have a chance to win some titles. Even if some of their fans do not deserve to ever celebrate a title or enjoy a title. And I tell you what, based on a lot of that behavior we saw, not just the racism, but just the like storming the stadium. You had hundreds of fans just 
ba- breaking through barricades with no tickets to get just barge into Wembley. That's the guess what? England didn't just lose Euro 2020. They more than likely lost any chance of hosting the next the, the 2030 World Cup, which I think England was in contention for. If you're FIFA, do you want anything to do with the World Cup in England after those scenes on Sunday? No, hell no. No one wants that. No one needs that. Don't. There's plenty of other places you can host the World Cup. You don't need to have it in England. But congrats to Italy. Congrats to Benucci, Chiellini, Mancini, Chiesa. Federico Chiesa is so good for them throughout the tournament. And it definitely makes you look forward to the World Cup. And who's going to be there? Who's going to be vying for the title? Does Belgium get off the mat? Does France regroup? What happens with Germany? What happens with England? How does England rebound from this disappointment? World Cup's going to be fun. As much as, you know, whatever's going to happen and how Qatar's going to be and how a World Cup in the winter in December is going to be. There's still a lot of questions to be asked. And it's But guess what, folks? It's only a year and a half away. It'll be here before you know it. I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode of, of the SBI show. It's a little shortened, uh, shortened version, short, shortened episode. Uh, obviously, uh, I'm going to try to have three episodes this week. See if I can pull it off. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it, but that's the goal. Uh, you know, you figure if we do a Wednesday episode, we can preview the U.S. match against Martinique and talk about everything that's happened uh, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. And then... Hopefully a Friday episode, Friday slash Saturday episode. Uh, apologies to anyone who missed the Saturday episode that I dropped this weekend. If all works out well, we'll do a Monday and a Wednesday and a Friday, and there'll be shorter episodes, and they'll be obviously be focused on the Gold Cup since there's no MLS. And we can start talking about the U.S. Women's National Team as well as it draws closer to the start of the Olympics. But that's all for now. Definitely thank you for listening. And as always, make sure you read SBISoccer.com for all your U.S. men's national team coverage, all your American soccer coverage. And for those who were wondering and who, for those who listen to, to the SBI show regularly, I know I mentioned a few episodes ago, I was planning to launch a new site. I was going to I was at, I am planning to launch a, a new site with my content, with my feature content, uh, videos, podcasts, uh, feature articles, really showcasing my content and that's on hold a bit i'm working on it i'm still trying to build it it's looking like i don't want to wait till the start of august to do it i think i'm going to go for this week when this week remains to be seen i keep kicking the can down the line but there's just so much going on but i'm going to get it going and just stay tuned for that i believe the next episode of this show i'll have a lot more to share on that so stay tuned for that because that's coming but that's all for now I'm Ivis Kalarsa. This is The SBI Show.